0: Some of us remember when you had to use a paper map. Remember that if you got an invite to a wedding or you had to go someplace you'd never been before, you had to like take out that thing called a map. It was like an atlas or the ones that fold up in like 30 directions. You're like clack, 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 out, out like this. And then you have to kind of look with a magnifying glass and follow the grid and no math and trace it out. Some of you are like, I have no idea. But some of you are old like me and you're like, I get it. And you have to write the directions down and bring it into the car and hope that your directions are right when life needed a map. I mean, those were hard days. And then this incredible invention came called GPS that you could buy. So you'd go to Best Buy and you'd buy this clunky thing and drop it on your dashboard, put in your destination, do, and the little lady would go, turn right, turn left, you idiot, turn back. Like all that <laughs> GPS technology, so cool, right? Total game changer to have our own GPS. And then... We moved from dumb phones to smartphones, right? And now I have the GPS not on my dashboard. I can have it in my pocket. And even when I go someplace like Manhattan, so much fun to go to Manhattan and walk around. I don't need anybody to go with me. I can just pull out my phone and go tell me where to walk, Google. And it tells me with the little dots and it shows me and it even will tell me how to get on a subway, which subway I need to go to to get to the Empire State Building. Incredible to have this device with me all the time. Super cool, because I hate getting lost, don't you? I mean, that's like the worst. Getting lost feels confusing. You feel totally out of control. You're like, where the heck am I? In some ways, when you get lost, you feel like you're stuck in the dark. You can't see. You're not sure what to do and where to go. It's a terrible feeling, The only thing better than having a GPS in your hand is having a person by your side, right? So if I go into Manhattan with someone who knows how to get from A to B and knows, okay, we want to avoid this section of town because there's crowds and traffic and problems. Here's a shortcut up to wherever. So much better than even my GPS. That's great, but having someone by my side who knows where to go And what to do, so much better. A little bit of history. The Bible is written, it's a story about God. And one of the main characters in the early part of the Bible is the people of Israel, Jewish people. And the Bible talks about how God said, you're my people. And his people rebel against him and they get themselves sold into slavery. And they cry out to God and they say, God, rescue us And God says, okay. And he comes and miraculously rescues the Jewish people. And he takes these people out of slavery. And he says, I'm going to bring you into your own home country. I'm going to give you a place to live, a place to love, a place to thrive. He takes them out of slavery and they have to go through a wilderness to get to their home. And they don't have GPS. They don't have a map. What God does is he gives them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. This is crazy. But the Bible teaches that they can look up in the sky and they could follow a cloud. That's kind of better than a GPS, right? If there's a little cloud and you're just like, okay, let's follow. Cloud says go faster, slow down, speed up, go right, go left. Really cool that we can all see the same GPS at the same time and we could follow and go. And that's really awesome. The only thing better than God guiding his people with a cloud or with a pillar of fire would be if God would come down himself and lead his people home. And that's what he does in the person of Jesus Christ. He sends his son down to walk and guide us home. He knows we're lost. He knows we can't find our way, and says, let me coach you, guide you, lead you home. Let me point out where the pitfalls are. Let me point out where the problems are going to be, and I will guide you home. Super incredible, miraculous that he would do this for us. We're going to see this in John chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles, open up to John 8, verse 12 is where we're going to land today starting point, John 8, 12. If you're following along electronically or in a paper copy, that's great. It helps you to kind of see where I am. Before you get there, just a couple things I find fascinating about this section of Scripture. First thing is this. In John chapter 8, the word I, Jesus uses the word I 23 times. Jesus says, I, 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 I. Pretty cool. He also in John 8 says, I am, and he makes four really strong I am statements in John chapter 8. He is trying to communicate to the world who he is. So if you want to know from Jesus' own mouth who he is, John 8 is a great place to go because he says, I am, I am, I, I, I. Also fascinating, John, Jesus' best friend, wrote these words. And John was writing to primarily, well, he was writing to a lot of people who were Jewish. A lot of people who were Jewish and who understood Jewish history. Most of us are not Jewish. And most of us don't understand Jewish history. But fascinating, God leads his Jewish people out of slavery through a wilderness home. And the Bible says it's 600,000 men plus women and children. So this is a big entourage that he's leading through the wilderness to guide them home. And with all of those people, you know they're going to have needs. And so how is God going to feed these people? What well, we learn in the Bible is God miraculously feeds them by sending manna, bread from heaven, to feed the people. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of heaven who's come down to feed you. How, with all these people wandering through the wilderness being led to their home, where will they get something to drink? God miraculously gives them water from a rock, and Jesus in John chapter 7 says, come to me if you're thirsty, I am the living water. And how will these people who are leaving, going through a wilderness to try to get home, how are they going to do it without a GPS? God gives them a cloud by day and fire by night to lead them. And in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. John's writing this because a Jewish audience would hear Jesus make these strong claims. And they should click into their minds, this must be the promised Messiah the one who's going to come and rescue us. But John is also writing these things because he knows every human heart. He knows all of us are hungry. He knows all of us get thirsty. He knows all of us hate being lost. And he gives his son. He writes about Jesus that we might believe and have life in his name, have our thirst quenched, have our hearts filled with food and purpose and guidance incredible how John writes this. Before we get to verse 12 and starting into here, I just want to give you this quick little commercial. You may or may not know this, but once a week on Wednesdays, we release out electronically a teaching called Real Talk. And I would encourage you to look it up. It's six, seven, eight, ten minutes of teaching, middle of the week. It comes out through social media. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It'll be delivered to your inbox if you get our email. And this past week, Pastor Brad talked about the beginning of John chapter 8, the story of a woman caught in adultery. So look at that from this past week, but he also did something interesting in kicking off a Lent study. As we lead up to Easter, how do we prepare our hearts for Easter? And so dial up Real Talk, and there's a little more teaching there for you. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's at the temple, at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Jewish people are celebrating God's faithfulness at sunset. In the temple, they would light these giant torches to commemorate, to celebrate that God had faithfully led them through the wilderness. And now Jesus stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. I am the one who's going to guide you out of the wilderness into the promised land. I am the one, the Messiah. But remember, with Jesus, whenever he makes a claim, people either believe Jesus or reject him. They either believe him or they silence him. So verse 13, the Pharisees challenged Jesus and said, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Who are you, Jesus, to make this claim that you are the light of the world? Imagine if somebody got up in the cube at work next to you and was like, I am the light of the world. You'd be like, what did you smoke? Like, who are you to claim you're the light of anything? And they're saying to him, you're claiming to be the light of the world. Who are you to say that? And I think what Jesus does here is he gives three reasons why he can claim and be the light of the world. He is the light of the world because he is the Son of God. Verse 14, Jesus answered them, even if I testify on my own behalf. My testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself my other witness is the father who sent me I mean, what a bold claim to say i'm the light of the world and say you really want to know how to believe this is true god is the one who sent me he's my witness jesus is making this cocky claim that he is connected to god the father so directly that while he walks on earth he represents god fully and all he needs is God's support and God's testimony about him nothing else but this sounds crazy to the people present so in verse 19 they ask him where is your father they're like well who are you to claim and then you're talking about your dad where is he show him to us and Jesus says you don't know me or my father Jesus replied if you knew me you would know my father also He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, neither the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized Jesus because his hour had not yet come. He's making these claims. I am the light of the world. I'm connected to God the Father. God is my witness of who I am. I honor God. I listen to God. I follow God. And all of you want to kill me. But nobody touches Jesus. Why? Because his Father is protecting him, and it isn't his time. Yet, the only thing better than having a GPS is having someone to guide you home. And Jesus comes as God to walk with us. We read in verse 21 that he's the light of the world because of his work on the cross. Because of his work on the cross. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me. And you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? And Jesus has said this a couple times. I'm going somewhere, but you can't come with me. What's he mean by that? He's foreshadowing that he's going to go to the cross, that he's the son of God who has come from God and honors God and leads God but that he is going to go to the cross, This Jewish leaders want to silence him, they're gonna kill him. Jesus says, no one takes my life, I give it, I lay it down. He's the light of the world because no one else can fulfill this job description, that he came into the world on a rescue mission from God and it's gonna lead him all the way to death, all the way to torture. He's the only one, when he says, Where I go, you cannot come. He makes it clear that this work can only be accomplished by Jesus. Nobody else can fulfill this job description. Nobody else is fully God, fully man. No one else knows how to walk perfectly through life. No one else can do this and bear the wrath of God on his shoulders. He is the only one who can bear the brutal death, the torture, the ridicule, of the cross and go dark into a grave and come bursting out alive to prove he is God and blaze a trail back to God he's the only one who can lead us and guide us out of the darkness we face into light eternal he says I am the light of the world I think a question worth asking is why do we need him to be a light like why do we need light and he hints at it in verse 21 when he says you're going to die in your sins. And then again in verse 23 he continues. He says to people, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you did not believe, if you do not believe that I am he If you don't believe that I am the Son of God, if you don't believe that I am the Messiah, if you don't believe in me, you will indeed die in your sins. Jesus is the light of the world because humanity is born into darkness. It's our total human condition. And the Bible uses the word darkness as a synonym for sin and evil that we're born into darkness, that from the moment we're conceived, we are sinful by nature and by choice. And that's not popular to get up and say, is it? That from conception, the moment we take our first breath, we come into this world, we are sinful by nature and by choice. What does that word nature mean? That every generation from the first generation of humans, has chosen to reject God. I mean, the first people in the garden, they don't want to follow God's directions. They don't want to live God's lifestyle. They choose to reject God. And every generation through that, we have been born into sin, darkness. And we show that every day by how we live. We show our sinful attitudes and actions by continuing to ignore God's directions and rebel against God and you go oh no that's not true let me give you a couple examples think about in our country the millions of babies with heartbeats that have been killed and have never been given a chance to see the light of day I think about for how many generations people have bought and sold other people to make a profit or to enjoy something. What do you call that when someone sells a person? What is that? I think about what's going on with the heroin epidemic. We're hearing about this a lot in the news. It's horrible. There are people taking drugs and selling it to others, and if it wasn't bad enough, let's throw tranquilizers for animals into the drugs to just wipe you out. What do you call that or you think about recent phenomena in youtube videos that someone would embed for children's videos would embed instructions of how a child could kill themselves into a video with cartoons what do you call that that's evil that's sin that's darkness that's the human condition, and I, and I know you might go, "Well, I don't, that's not me. I'm not a part of that stuff. That's not stuff I do, But look at how quick you are to gossip and slander your coworker. What is that? Who trained us to gossip and slander our coworkers? Or think about, think about how quickly. We hurt the people we love the most. I'm gonna ask God someday, why is it that with my children and my spouse, I'll act one way to all of you publicly, but I'll blow my temper and say things and do things to my children and my spouse, the ones I love the most? Why do I hurt them the most? That's my sin. Why is it that I look at your lifestyle, your gifts, your spouse, your money, your job, and I say, I want what you have, and I'm not content with what I have. Nobody trained me to do that. That's my nature. That's our sin that we hold in common with each other, and this is human darkness, and all of us are stuck in it. It's why Isaiah in nine, Isaiah 9:2 predicts the birth of Christ and says, "People walking in darkness have seen a great light." This Christmas verse, right? People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You see, our human condition is darkness, and unless a light is dawned, we will die. All of us will die in our darkness. Unless the Son of God comes into the world and dies, I will die spiritually, and I will die physically and be lost forever. Unless the Son of God guides me home, I will never get back to God the Father on my own. There's nothing I can do. I need Jesus. And if this is our human condition, if we all live in this kind of darkness... Why do people reject Jesus? I mean, if this is true and we're all dark and sinful and we're destined for destruction, why is it that the light of Christ comes and he offers himself as the Son of God and he goes to a cross to pay for our sins and he rises again from the dead, why is it that we reject him? Why is it that we say we don't need him? John 3, 19 gives us the reason. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That's Jesus. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So we're all stuck in darkness but we have a love-hate relationship with our darkness. Like, we don't like darkness. We don't like confusion. We don't like the shame, of our, the shame of our sin. We don't like the feeling of being lost, but we love our independence, don't we? We love autonomy. We love control. The perception that we're the ones in the driver's seat, that we get to make the decisions. We love to control our circumstances more than we hate darkness. Uh, You've watched the news lately, and you know what happens in the news? There's always breaking news every like 14 and three-quarters seconds. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, right? And when there's always breaking news, there's no breaking news, right? So I do have Jersey Joe breaking news for you that nobody's talking about in our world. Here's the breaking news. Are you ready? Not everything I think and feel is true, I mean, this is breaking news because nobody's talking about this. No screen that you'll ever watch this afternoon or on your phone or social media will say, your feelings and your thoughts lie to you. But that's what's true. That if I go with what I feel and go with what I think, my heart and mind has been darkened by sin. And not everything I think and feel is true. And here's how I'll prove it. So remember the days before I had a smartphone, I had a stupid phone, and I would you know load the kids up in the family vacation, and we'd get on the road in the minivan, and we're driving along, and I'd say to my wife, I know where we're going. And we'd start to drive, right? And we're heading down the road, and we're heading down the shore, and, and I kinda think I remember what exit it is to get to wherever, and I turn off the wrong exit, and I know where we're going, and I keep, and I'm following my nose, I'm following my senses, I'm following what I think is right, and I keep following, and I don't stop, and I don't ask for directions. I keep going, and I know because my senses and my thoughts about where we're going are right, dearest. I don't need any help. And what do I do? Do I get myself more lost or less lost? Right? More lost every single time. That's the human condition. You see, I think my thoughts and my feelings are going to lead me out of my lostness and my darkness. But my lostness and my darkness will not go away until I pull over on the side of the road and say, Jesus, would you get in? Because you can guide me home. You're the only one who walked through life perfectly and made it all the way to the end and died and rose again. So when I stop the car of my heart and say, Jesus, I have messed up everything. I've gotten ourselves and our family all turned around. Would you come into my car, into my heart, and I'll listen to you. I'll follow you. I'll trust you. When you do that with Jesus, he comes. He sits down. He changes you from the inside out. When you say, I believe, he will lead you into peace and purpose and joy. He says in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Never, Jesus? Like, I've been following you. I put my trust in you. I believe in you. I feel darkness, I believe in you, I trust you, but I feel confusion. I believe you, I trust you, but I'm giving in to temptation. How do we walk in the light so that we're never in darkness again? What does that look like practically? Jesus, I think, gives us an example of it. So if you fast forward to John 8, 28 through 29. 28, 29. Jesus, I think, models for us, gives us a teaching of how we can walk in the light as followers of him he says in verse 28 i do nothing on my own but speak just what the father has taught me the one who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for i always do what pleases him i do nothing on my own jesus says The Father has taught me. He is with me. I am never alone. I always do what pleases Him. Can you imagine if that was true of you? Do you know that can be true of you? That's how Jesus, in a dark world, walked in the light of His Father on a daily basis. He lived to learn from God the Father, listen to God the Father, and please God the Father. And maybe that's what it would take for you and me to experience light in our lives. I think it's a daily choice that we make because here's what's cool. When I put my trust in Jesus, he puts his spirit in me. He puts his spirit in me. What's incredible is the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. When I put my trust in God, he puts his spirit inside of me. So it's almost like He gives me a compass, his spirit is inside me, he gives me a compass outside of me, and he surrounds me with other followers of Christ who also have his spirit inside of them. And so when the community of believers with the compass of God's word and the spirit inside you, when those things are happening together, that's how he's guiding you out of the mess you've made or the mess that's been made for you. But when was the last time you opened up the Bible and obeyed what it said? I'm just being honest. I mean, this is just basic. God's Spirit uses the Bible to guide us into how to follow, live in peace with the Lord. But if I never pull out the compass, the Bible says all kinds of things that I've been working through. It says things about coarse joking. and It says don't joke with coarse language. I need to obey that as Jersey Joe, which is a choice that I make whether to mute his command or to listen and follow his command. And as I listen to that command, I'm going to be led into greater light. Make statements about how to parent, how to handle your money, how to deal with sex and temptation, all kinds of things. But if, as a follower of Jesus, I never Open up his words and then obey what he says. It's as if I asked Jesus to come into the car and guide me and lead me to some place. And then I keep saying shut up and smacking him and saying I don't want to hear your voice. He's sitting and he's in my life and he wants to guide me and lead me. And I wonder why I'm turned in circles and causing more problems for myself and my family. There are basic truths that you know to be true in the Bible, are you obeying those basic truths? Because that's God guiding you through darkness into light. And it's hard. Sometimes I feel like one moment I want to live in the light and another moment I live in the darkness. If you would have saw me yesterday, I made a statement to one of my sons that is incredibly embarrassing and wrong. something I should have never said to him in the heat of a moment. And when you walk in the light, you make the decision that's wrong, and you say you're sorry to God, and you say you're sorry to your family because you made a mistake and you did something you don't want to do, and you say, God, with your Spirit's help, will you change me so that I don't do that again? That's listening to God's voice and walking into light out of darkness. Maybe you don't know where to start in the Bible. Can I encourage you to open up to the book of Philippians and read that and say, God, the book of Philippians says, count it all joy, my brothers. Choose joy. Rejoice always. Help me, God, to rejoice always. You will help me. Please rejoice always. Read the book of Philippians. Maybe it's time to get involved with men's watering hole or go to the women's tea or join a small group. Get connected with other believers because you're not in this alone. Someone who can show you how, teach you, could ask someone, can you show me how to read the Bible so I can learn how to hear God's voice and be guided into light? Because here's the deal. My darkness isn't just my darkness. It impacts other people. So when I choose as a follower of Jesus to live in darkness and say, God, I don't want to hear your voice. I'm not going to follow your ways. I'm not going to listen to you. Shut up, Jesus. When I live that way, it doesn't just bring darkness on me. It brings darkness on the people around me. God's children are designed to be agents of light, not darkness. What are you? It's an either or. Are you an agent of God's light Or are you an agent of God's, well, not God's darkness. Are you an agent of darkness? You see, we like to be in this fuzzy middle ground. I'm kind of neutral. No, you're either an agent of light or an agent of darkness. In your house, in your home, are you a child of the light or a child of darkness? At work, your social media, if I just looked at your social media, if God just looked at it, because he does, what would he say about you? Are you a child of light or a child of darkness? There's no middle ground. God's design for your life is that you would walk with Him, that His Spirit is inside you, His Word is your compass, a community of believers around you, that you would be an agent of light in this dark world. When you face decisions today, will you choose to follow and obey Him? or you follow and obey your feelings. Because when you follow and obey your feelings and they run contrary to God's truth, you are an agent of darkness and not light. And that's not what God has for you. He's got so much more that he wants to use you for, light and love in this world, and we can be light and love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for not throwing us away. But like the children of Israel, we rebelled against you, but you rescued us and you have guided us through the person and the work of Christ and granted us life eternal. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus will be guided home and secure with you forever as sons and daughters help us, forgive us for muting your word, for not hungering and thirsting for truth. Give us a hunger and a thirst to open your word and follow your lead. Speak, Holy Spirit. Jump off the page of the Scriptures to us that we might know you and know how to walk in this dark world. God, if there's anybody here that has never put their trust in you and they feel lost, alone, and afraid. Whisper to them today that you love them. Whisper to them t- today that you care and that you'll enter their hearts. You just have to call out to him. No magic words. He sees you and knows you and answers your call. When you call out to Jesus, Jesus will flood your heart with peace, purpose, and joy. Today can be the day you're saved. Watch over us, God, and lead us into greater light. In Jesus' name, amen.